This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. I want to say, first of all, for those of you who are guests here this morning, and this is your first time at New Life, we have rolled out the red carpet for you. Okay, it's brown, but we've got it out there anyway, right? You know, one of the great things about church, and I think in particular New Life, is the first Sunday you walk in this place, you are just as much welcomed as those of us who come here all the time. This is your church. Even if you're only here for one morning, it's your church for this morning. And uh, so we are a family of Christ followers and believers who are just delighted that you have chosen to spend this particular morning with us as we encounter God, as we worship Him, as we learn from His Word, and as we learn how to better go through this life so that we can do things with our life that have eternal significance, so we can do things with our lives that really make a difference. And it's our prayer that uh, even if you're only here for one time, that it will be a memorable time for you and that you will leave in some way measurably different than when you came. Uh, A couple things uh, just to help you and, and all the rest of us take care of our busyness. First, if you would uh, reach in your program and pull out the Start Here card. Uh, those of you who come here all the time know how important that card is. It's really a Connect card. It says Start Here on the front. It says Connect on the back. And that in as a church... Uh, Our main mission is helping all of us get connected with God, get connected with each other, and this 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 Connect card is a primary tool in helping that take place. So right now, if if, uh, all of us would take it out, put our name down in the contact information box. If this is your first time here, please trust us with your contact information. We want to put a couple of very simple tools in your hands. I want to thank you for coming this morning. But, you know, uh, you'll get those via email, so it's not going to be intrusive. And we'll certainly treat your email address with the utmost of respect and courtesy. But if you would trust us with the rest of your contact information, then at least we'll know that the information you request on the backside, we'll know who to get it connected to. At the end of our service, you can put that in the offering basket when it's passed. Uh, The next thing that I want you to get out is this thing that says, not a fan. I wish I had the whole morning to talk to you about this. We are headed into a super adventure this coming fall with our church. I've had several people say, summer of love is so awesome. What in the world is the church possibly going to do to follow up summer of love? Well, here it is. We are going to go on a church-wide adventure called Not a Fan. And... uh, uh, it is, uh, we'll show you some promos of it a little bit later. It's going to be October, November, and December. The reason I'm talking to you about it this morning is because we have a bunch of work to do on the front end of this. Are you ready to be grateful? I'm overwhelmed. Are you ready to be grateful? Yes! This is the best summer. I know Kevin's been saying it all along. This actually is the best summer we've ever had as a church. Has it been fun? Yeah, it's been awesome. You know, God is ramping up to do something. He's starting some ministries in our church. Please continue to pray about our uh, prospective youth pastor. Um, Don't know for sure how that's all going to turn out, but we are going to be launching something with our youth this fall. Hopefully it's with the guy that we brought here. Um, If you want to pray for him, his name is Mark. And... um, 
His father fell over dead with a heart attack this last week. And so he's in the middle of pastoring his family and and sort of pastoring himself through that. So if you would be so kind as just to pray for him, because he'll make the decision. But uh, the the stuff that he has to do with his family is certainly more important than where he's going to work in ministry over the next um, season of his life. But be that as it may, we're launching youth ministry and doing some really great stuff. Here's here's the bottom line of what I want to say to you today. Um, this whole summer, we we have not really taken a dip in attendance, which means as we crank up for the fall, there's going to be even more people. Our church is larger today than it's ever been. Right now, we have about 600 people who come to New Life regularly. Now, I want you to think about this. As we ramp up for our life groups this fall, we're going to head into this not a fan thing, and it's it's a cinematic presentation of some of the most important principles of life. I know you're going to get drawn into the story. It's based on the story of a family and the people that interact with the family, and it's well acted, and it, it's one of those things that will just reach out and grip you, and then it brings you face-to-face with important questions about your own life. And uh, so, but in the midst of all of that, the life groups, the discussion that takes place is certainly going to be better with life groups of 8 to 12 people. Okay? If we have 600 adults, at least four, I mean 600 people, at least 400 of those are going to be adults. If we want to get at least 80% of our adults in life groups, and we've been running closer to 90 to 95%, but if, if, even if we get only 80% of those, that's going to be, what, 320 adults uh, divided by 10 people in a group. That means we're going to need 32 life groups this fall, and that's double what we have right now. Oh, no, that's an ominous silence, isn't it? Okay. You know what I believe? I believe that God is going to reach down and touch the hearts of a bunch of people because we're going, to, we're going to need a lot more than just 32 life groups. There's lots of other personnel that goes in and around that. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray about you being one of those life group leaders. The life groups are all, they're DVD-based. The curriculum is all put together. Every single life group in our church is going to be going through the exact same material so we're going to be on this journey together. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and I, it's going to be a great thing to invite your friends and neighbors to. Uh, we're, going, we're surrounding you with a lot of resources. But take a look at the website that our Life Group Ministry has built. I, I went there this morning. I poked around on that website. I can tell you it's, it is an awesome website. It's, it's uh, www.equippingnewlife.org, and it's a fantastic website. So if you decide to become a life group leader, there's pages of resources and all sorts of video training uh, that, that we've done in-house where you can watch the DVDs and get personal video training based upon who we are as a church and what God's accomplishing through us. And the staff, in particular, almost exclusively, Angela has been working on that. And uh, so you're going to want to go and poke around on that. Now, here's, here's why this card. If you look at the bottom, it, it says down there, I will pray this week about facilitating a group this fall. 
I want, if you've ever even toyed with that for a moment, or if you used to lead a life group, but you haven't the last session or two, um, I really want you to actively engage with God because I think it would be great if we didn't have 32 life groups if we had actually closer to 40 life groups. And I know that's a huge step for us as a church. But you know, here's the thing. If, if a bunch of us will step into the ring and do that, I believe God's going to encounter us in our life groups as a church better than he ever has before. And it's just about us taking that step forward. So you can tear off that bottom part, and I know, just fold it and tear it, because you, gotta, you need the top part to know where the website is, so you can go to the website. But again, at the end of church, when we pass the offering baskets, if you put the bottom part of that in there with your name and contact information, we will get started on that and get ramped up for that. I'm ready to talk to you about what I came to talk to you about this morning. So grab your teaching notes out of your program, and here we go. We are talking in the summer of love about the five languages of love that God has created and given to us and sort of wired into us as human beings. And one of the great things about the summer of love, there are three things, actually. We are feeling more loved by God than ever before. I know we are because we're learning how God touches us, and I'm going to focus on that this morning. Secondly, we're improving our skill at loving those around us. We're we're learning how to decipher what their love language is and how to communicate love to them in their love language. And as a result, the third thing is we're a better church than we've ever been before because at its base level, one of, the, one of the foundational things that God expects of the church is that we would model out and we would teach and demonstrate to the world around us the love of God for His children. We are indeed taking hold of the life that Christ has for us in this two-year Take Hold initiative. We're taking hold of that life that Christ has for us. And this morning, I'm going to unveil or unwrap this concept of physical touch with God. Justin took this message, condensed it down. I'm just going to expand it back out. Do you, know, do you realize that you and I are wired for touch? We are. We'll break it out a little bit today, a little bit more next week. But I want to go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, because here's what the Bible says. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Now, in your imagination, I want you to travel back in time with me to the day that God created um, Adam. It was actually the sixth day of creation, and there's something just strikingly different about the creation of Adam from everything else that God created. For instance, at the beginning of Genesis, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Hebrews picks up on that theme, and the author of Hebrews says, You need to understand that God spoke everything into existence, and it is sustained by His powerful Word. 
And so God said, let, let the, the heavens be separated from the earth and let the water be separated from the land and let the water be filled with teeming, with, with all these fish and, and let the land be filled with all the birds and animals and, and let it, let it have uh, plants that come up and let every plant and every animal bring forth after its own kind and all that stuff. God spoke, God spoke, it happened. God, God spoke, it happened. But when it came to Adam. God didn't speak a word. God reached down with his own hands. He, he took clay and dust from the ground and he began, like a masterful sculptor, he began to form that clay into Adam's body. You see, before Adam was ever living, God was touching him. And then I want you to think about the moment that Adam came to life. After God had put his finishing, what would we normally say, touches on him. He blew into his nostrils the breath of life. I don't think God stood ten yards away and blue, I think he did what you and I do when we blow into someone's nostrils or mouth the breath of life. He got right next to him. And he breathed into him. And the first thing that Adam saw when he came alive was the face of God and God's hands on him. Now, you and I shouldn't be surprised then that one of the languages of love is physical touch because we are wired from creation for touch. Next week, I'm going to haul out some statistics and so forth about the difference that tactile touch, physical touch from other human beings makes in our lives. But for this morning, I want you to understand that God wired us for touch, not primarily so we could touch each other. God wired us for touch so that He could touch us and we could touch Him. For the sake of this message this morning, I want us to step a little bit outside of our own skin. And I want us, as best we can, to step into the skin of God. Because as a pastor, I often encounter people who want to be touched by God. Who, who want God to make a difference in their life. Who want God to reach down and do something in their life that they can say and know for sure God did that in my life. And therefore I know that there is a God and I know that He loves me because He touched my life. And I don't want to take anything of that away from any of us because I know that God does that. And I've experienced that myself many times and I pray that every one of you experience that. But I think here's the part of the of the whole equation that you and I probably struggle with. When I talk to parents who are separated from their children, or when I talk to parents who who their children is being babysat by someone and they get that, that call 
that, that whoever was babysitting their child was taking them to the movies and got involved in a car accident, and it was a serious car accident. And all of a sudden, it, it hits the parent, I could have lost that child. You know the one thing that parent wants to do? I can't get to where that child is quick enough, and I just want to hold them. Can you relate to that? Of course you can. Have you ever thought about the fact that you are God's child? And one of the reasons God can't wait for heaven is He wants to hold His children. We're His kids. I know, I struggle with that too. Because when I think of a an almighty God and a holy God and a righteous God. And I look at my own life and I see the temptations that I have and I see the massive gap between what is perfection and where I live. And I see my struggles in a daily life. And I think about God who sits in heaven. It's hard for me to imagine that I'm ever worthy of being held by God. Do you struggle with that? Yeah, I do. But you know something? The Bible paints the picture of a God who after the fall, after Adam and Eve ate from the tree they weren't supposed to eat from and and therefore had to be separated from God physically because now an imperfect person who steps into into the literal presence of Almighty God cannot exist because nothing unholy can exist in God's literal presence so there was this immediate separation between adam and eve and god from that day until jesus came again god was in this holding pattern of wanting to hug on his kids and not being able to do so and so god communicates his love through physical touch because physical touch communicates emotional love primarily in three ways now we're reading a book called love what's the rest of the title love what does in other words it acts i want you to understand what physical touch communicates it communicates primarily three things acceptance I want you to think of a handshake when it comes to acceptance. And when you reach out your hand and you shake someone else's hand, basically you're saying, I accept you. As a matter of fact, you can maybe see it a little clearer when someone reaches out their hand to shake hands and the other person says, no. What are they communicating? I don't accept you. Because physical touch communicates acceptance. The second thing that it communicates is care. And in this, I want you to think of putting your arm around someone. It's one thing to have a face-to-face you know, conversation with someone who's going through a tough time and you walk up to them and you say to them, I'm really sorry for what you're going through and so forth. Uh, boy, I'm feeling bad. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. That's better than saying nothing. But when you walk up beside that person and you put your arm around them and now you give them that same message, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. Man, I've been praying for you. 
There's a level of care that comes through that physical touch that I don't care how eloquent your speech is or what words you choose, it will never pack the punch that will come through with physical touch because the person that you have your arm around was wired for touch. And even if it isn't their primary love language, everybody responds to it at certain times when it's appropriate because it communicates care. The third uh, manifestation of physical touch I want you to think about is holding someone's hand. Because when we hold someone's hand, there's a concept of togetherness that's there. And there's primarily two things that take place when we hold someone's hand. Number one, it says, I'm not only near, it says, I'm right here. I'm not just in the room, I'm right here. But there's something even more important that comes when, when, we, when we hold someone's hand. And if you've ever been in a hospital bed and, and you're scared and the nurse or the doctor is doing some procedure that's painful, maybe, it all, maybe all you were is in an emergency room and they were putting stitches in your hand or they're going to have to change a bandage and it's gonna, you know it's going to be painful when they rip it off. But if there's someone there that you love and they sit beside your bed and they just hold the other hand. And you know you can squeeze it as tightly as you want to squeeze it. You know what they're saying? I'm not just here. I'm not just right here. I'm in this with you. And I'm not going anywhere. We'll go through this together. Now, you can't get that message that powerfully anyway except through physical touch. Because physical touch communicates emotional love. That's how God wired us. That's why it's so important to us. And by the way, that's why it's so important for you and I to be touched by God. It's why He longs to touch us. So guess what? God went to great lengths, as Justin said, to communicate His love to us through physical touch. Such great lengths that God chose to take on a physical body so He could come down here and love on us. Let me show you how this works. I'm going to read you five passages of Scripture. Genesis chapter 3. This was before the fall, before Adam and Eve messed everything up. The Bible says, When the cool uh, evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. What was God doing in the garden? He came to sit down and have a conversation with, hug on his kids. That's why he was there. He had that kind of a relationship. Just like you would, you and I would go to our children's house or our children would come to us and just hang out for the evening. It was all part of that wonderful, open, loving, caring, touching relationship. That's how God rolled. Let's read the next verse. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became what? Flesh and blood. 
God said, I can't bring them up here, but you know what I can do? I can go down there. And so he did. Now I want you to think about this. Every miracle that Jesus performed, could he have done it literally just spoken that miracle into existence? Of course, we have examples of him doing that. Where he spoke and he said to, uh, to a man one time, you go home, your servant will be well when you get there. And he just spoke the words and, and the servant a long ways away was healed when Jesus said it. He could have done that with everybody. But Jesus chose in almost every instance, in fact, every instance that we know of where the people were physically present, he chose to go up and put his hand on them. And, and he chose to touch them. I think maybe not so much for the people as it was for him. Those are his kids. Even the lepers, they were his kids. Even the little children. That's the passage I want to read to you. I think it's great. One day, some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. Isn't that kind of cool? Jesus, you're, you're so great. You're, 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 you know, and many of them believed that he was the Son of God. Would you touch my child? Wouldn't you want your children to be touched by the Son of God? You know what I'd be saying? Hey, touch me too. Right here? <laughs> Absolutely. This is God in the flesh. Please touch me. And he wanted to. And so what did Jesus do? So then he took the children. Did he just touch them? I touch you, I touch you, I touch you. No, no, no. He took the children in his arms, and he placed his hands on them and blessed them. Wow. Of a picture of our daughter, Angela, when she was about three. And she has one cat in this arm and one cat in that arm. And if you know Angela, she loves animals. And she's sitting there with those two cats just grinning. Okay, just for a minute, can you picture Jesus, one child in this arm, one child in this arm, and he's grinning because he's waited thousands of years to hug on his kids, and now he's got them. That's why it's so powerful. Let me read you a couple more verses of Scripture. Now we see, but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. And you can believe that when we are face to face with Jesus, you think that when you come face to face with the pastor of this church out in the lobby, what's going to happen? You will get hugged, right? That's just how we roll around here. Okay, When you come face to face... With God, I can tell you what's going to happen. He's not going to look at you and go, nice to see you. Come over here. Come on. You're my kid. That's how it works. Last of all, you know how I know that? Because after Jesus was raised from the dead, and he had one of his kids who was struggling to believe that he had been raised from the dead, He said to his child, Thomas, he could have said, Thomas, look, dude. But you know what he said? Look. He said, put your finger here. 
And then he opened up his robe. And he didn't say, look, what does it say? He said, put your hand here. All the way through Scripture, we have every indication that God longs not just to touch us, but to be touched by us. As we close, I want to point us to three things that are so important. God has given us in the intervening time three wonderful ways that we can touch Him and be touched by Him. And the first is communion. Because in communion, here's what Jesus said. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then He broke it in pieces and He gave it to the disciples saying, Take this and eat it for this is my what? This is my body. Wow. I want you the next time that you take communion, before you just put that, that, that little piece of bread in your mouth, I want you to think for a minute that Jesus invites you to touch His body. I know it's a physical symbol. I know that. But I want you to think that He's given you that because it's His guarantee that someday you will actually touch His physical body in a real way. And communion is His way of saying, touch my physical body and would you take my blood into your blood so that we could be blood brothers and blood brothers and sisters together because we have the same Father. We have the same blood in us. And every time we take communion, we're reminded that that our life, our bodies come from the same Father. Secondly, baptism. When we, were, when we were joined with Christ, notice the togetherness in baptism. We joined Him in His death, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also live new lives. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with Him. Do you see how many points of connection, how many points of touching Here's what I want to say to you. If you have not been baptized as an adult, next Sunday is Baptism Sunday at New Life. You should get baptized. This is your opportunity to be touched by God and to touch God's heart. Because it's it's like Christ jumps in the tank with you. And you're buried with Him. And then you're raised with Him. It, it's how you can sort of reach out and take the hand of Jesus and go through it with Him. The more I think about that, the more I think, man, I'd love to do that every Sunday. Me, I'd get a little wet, but I'd be alright with that. How great that, so if you haven't ever done that, next Sunday is your Sunday. Sign, sign up on, on your uh, uh, Connect card. Because it's going to be a powerful time of people taking Jesus by the hand and going down with Him and coming up with Him. And then last of all, here's what Jesus said to us. The King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom I prepared for you from the creation of the world. And then He breaks it out for them. For I was hungry and you fed Me. I was thirsty and you gave Me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited Me into your home. I was naked and you gave Me clothing. I was sick and you cared for Me. I was in prison and you visited Me. And they have a question for Him. 
And they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? Or when did we ever see you in prison and come and visit you? And the king will say, and here it is, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. That, my friends, is why we're making love bombs. Kevin's going to talk to you about that in a minute. Okay? It's touching his children. It's why we hug in this church. Because when we hug, we are touching the children of God. It's why I make a point in the lobby to get down on one knee and hug all the kids that come to church that I have the opportunity to greet. Why? Because I'm touching God's children. And in touching God's children... I'm touching the heart of God. It, by the way, is what turned a 98-pound Indian woman that you and I know as Mother Teresa into a dynamo on every occasion when she was asked, what gives you the energy to do what you do? She always quoted that verse. She said, every time... I see a small child, a suffering child, a person struggling with hunger. I see Jesus. That's all the motivation I need. Here's how we can apply it. First of all, if you're not a Christian, you got to get on board. You can't go where the train's going if you're not on a train. All right? So that's the deal. Becoming a Christian is what gets you on the train with Jesus, where you can start getting the Spirit of God in your life and, 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 and experiencing this life He has for us. So make the decision to become a Christian. Secondly, intentionally, this coming week, focus on touching Christ the next time you take communion. Hold it. Focus it. This, is, this represents the body of, of Jesus, the body of God. And he gives me the opportunity to hold this in my hand, to take it into my body. And then last of all, make and give away at least one love bomb this week. Then you can go out and find somebody and love on them and touch it. By the way, don't throw it out the window of your car at them. That's not touching them, all right? Touch them with the love of Christ. Number two, this is what you can do if you want to walk. You can decide to get baptized on August the 25th. That's next week. Sign up. Say, I'm doing that with Jesus. Number two, daydream at least 10 minutes on what it will be like to be hugged by and have a personal conversation with God in heaven. Friends, I promise you, if you'll take 10 minutes and let your mind wander on that, you will love God more than you do right now. I know you will. Okay? Number three, have at least one person-to-person conversation with the person you're giving a love bomb to. Instead of, instead of just holding it out the window, okay, pull over to the side of the road, go back and talk to them. And then we're going to get you step number three. If you want to run, here you go. Pray 10 minutes to God about expressing your eagerness to be hugged by Him in heaven. That'll be a great prayer. What am I going to say for 10 minutes about being hugged by God? I don't know. Just go do it. If you really want to be hugged by God, you won't have a problem with that. You'll figure it out. Okay? 
Number two, encourage a friend to get baptized on August 25th. Many of us, maybe most of us know people in our world who've never been baptized. Pick up the phone, call them and say, hey, I was praying for you. We got this baptism service coming up next Sunday. And for whatever reason, God laid you on my mind. Have you ever been baptized? If not, what's holding you back? Sometimes that's all people need. It's just the encouragement of a friend. And number three, invite the person you give the love bomb to to come to church with you. Okay? I'm going to throw a little tagline on that. Reach out and actually touch that person. I know for some of you that's a stretch. Okay? Reach out and touch that person. That's God's kid. Let me pray. Father, Thank you for my friends who are processing this stuff. And thank you, Father, for for giving us the opportunity to process and to think about the fact that you might want to actually, that you're longing to touch us. And God, we just pray for that. We look forward to that day. Would you call us into wonderful ways of getting involved with you in this world? And Lord, would you help us to touch you this week, to be touched by you? I pray it in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.